Hey there, Martin McCormack. I'm Andy Courtenay. And you are on Strung Out. We are talking about today our adventures in Airbnb. But before we do, I want to thank you, the listener, for helping us achieve a little milestone here. We are now over 2,000 downloads with this podcast. When this podcast started, initially, what I wanted to do was just look at life through the eyes of an artist, and that kind of gave a big, wide-open idea of things to talk about. And today's theme is one of those things. It has certainly taken an artistic approach to get our Airbnb going, and I just thought, let's talk a little bit about that. The biggest challenge, I think, as far as Airbnbs go is creating a story or creating a place that people are going to desire to go see. It's not enough just to have a room with a bed. You have to have something that's of interest. And we achieved that in a roundabout way. And that was because originally the space that we have was going to be more of a recording studio and performance center. And before I died, I wanted to have a moose head because I grew up going to Wyoming and seeing and being around moose. I was going to have that moose head. And we got a moose head from Elgin, Illinois, of all places. As I like to tell people, we shot it on eBay. My brother Joseph found it, and I had to have it restored. It wasn't exactly the kind of moose head I was going for. That's a long story, but it's a big Alaskan moose shot 1979 near Fairbanks, which is a very different species of moose from the ones that I grew up with around Grand Teton National Park. But who cares? Any moose in a storm, right, Annie? Yeah, Marty didn't ask me about this purchase. We did not shoot it on eBay. Marty (laughs) made this purchase without telling me. It was interesting to find out that this enormous thing had to be stored and then had to be restored and then stored again until we had somewhere to put it. So I think we can safely say that we built the Airbnb around the moose head. Yeah, we sure did. And it's beautiful. It really sets the tone. It sets the tone. It dominates its enormous moose head. <laughs> so we had to create... First of all, Marty thought this was going to be a recording studio. And I said, that's crazy because you'll never make any money on it. We're going to need to make a profit, monetize this piece of our property if we're ever going to pay for it. Because we had to take out loans in order to restore this, or well, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, this livery stable that was there, which is what, it's the footprint um, of our property of the Airbnb property. And I said, I think what we should do is have an Airbnb. And did you feel a little pained when I said that to you, Marty? I did feel that at the time, pre-pandemic, I was traveling enough that the need to have a, a recording space, a performance space, wasn't that necessary. Annie was going to be home and the idea of Turning it into an Airbnb made a lot of sense. We really started working on turning it into an Airbnb probably about, what, 2017? I can't remember. 
it was up and running for about a year or so before the pandemic hit. And it was a lot of work transforming the building, Moosehead or not. And a lot of work because it was the structure itself. We built using what was existing there for the most part. And as Annie said, turning the footprint of the the building into a more livable space. There were some interesting things already happening there. The electricity was out to the building, but it wasn't working. There was water out to the building, but it wasn't working. And the gas had to be put in and there was septic with the sewer, but that had to be connected and all that sort of thing. So there was a great deal of work that went into transforming it into anything anyway. Probably the best thing that came out of thinking of it as a performance space building was I insisted on um, two bathrooms because I envisioned during a performance, a men's room and a woman's room, and you need to have that instead of a unisex bathroom so things could move a little faster during intermissions and such. What really changed, and again, just a, a benefit for us in this was making them both full bath. They don't have a bathtub, but showers and everything. So when the Airbnb was established, that was a plus. As Annie said, we had to build the theme around this big gigantic moose head, which the building itself is about 20 feet high. At the peak, it slopes from 20 feet down to, I believe, 16 feet. So it's a substantially high livery stable of the time. The moose head itself, it's not like welcome to my moose head. It holds its own, and I think it's very elegant and tasteful. (laughs) There are some people who would not want to stay in a place with a moose head, but there are some people who would not want to stay in a place with a moose head. But my challenge then was to design a cohesive living space around this main feature. I am not an interior decorator, and I I don't even consider myself very talented in, in seeing those things like some people are. But I spent a lot of time just looking at Wayfair and measuring and selecting furniture and decor that I thought would go well with this moose head. So we settled on this kind of Huga Scandinavian design. It's supposed to feel clean, but cozy at the same time. And we're blessed to have a lot of natural light in the great room in the building. So it makes everything just look better because because the sunlight's in there. So yeah, I went with what I thought would work with this moose. And it's all kind of neutral tones, grays and whites and blue. Yeah. The other thing that we took advantage of or we were determined to do was to pay homage, if you will, to the people that built this property. And when we got the property, we were handed the original deed, which were a series of deeds going all the way back to, I believe it was like 1890-something. Yeah, or even before that. Yeah, it was when this area of Rogers Park was uh, just a big subdivision. In fact, there were farms just across Ridge Avenue, not too far from where we live, and that was cabbage farms, and there was still an agrarian kind of setup. And taking the timbers, taking the doors to this livery stable, they were really big, old, hardwood doors. And those doors were repurposed 
to build above the fireplace this great expanse on which the Mossad hangs. And nothing was done to those doors to treat it. I didn't stain it. I didn't do anything. It was just the, the natural patina. patina from years and years of livery stable uh, soot and all sorts of paint and, and a couple weird bullet holes. And there was all sorts of things that the building had that I wanted to keep that character in there. Had we not had the, the Mossad, I don't know if that would have really translated as well. There's something cool about that whole wall feature because you mm -hmm. have the, the livery stables, doors. I also inverted them, if you could imagine, like the timbers in a V pattern going up. Originally, it was upside down. The V pattern would have been upside down if the doors were hung the way they were actually hung on the building. But the V pattern going up gives it a little more space. I just thought it was a little more positive. It directs the eye yeah, certainly. to the moose, which you would probably have your eye directed to anyway. <laughs> but It's a beautiful moose. Underneath that is the fireplace. That's also a focal point. And that's another thing of creating a signature style. We built the fireplace by hand. That was amazing. We did that without any real plan. No, we just pieced them together. The one thing that we did have was our contractor friend went to a forge in Chicago and we got uh, uh, basically a cowling, a U-shaped big piece of forged iron. The actual prefabricated fireplace insert went inside this cowling, if you will, like a big inverted U. And that piece of metal takes the full weight of the stone including the stone that is the mantelpiece. Mm -hmm. And that's a 600-pound limestone post from western Kansas that my friends, the Harveys, brought in. And that took about six guys, and we had to build a special contraption out of wood to bring it up like stair steps, if you could imagine, because it was so darn heavy. And we had to build basically around that, too. Yeah, it's amazing what you guys were able to do to get that thing. The other limestone was hauled in from northeastern Iowa, and we just started putting it together like a jigsaw puzzle. We also put in some geodes, the Kentucky Lake on a switchback journey, and there was all these geodes around this one particular lake. And so pop those things in too, just for fun. Again, it's another thing that catches the eye and people are interested in it. There's a little bit of recent history with that fireplace, but it looks like it's been around oh, yeah. and part of the building for a long time. Let's take a little break here, and I want to continue along about this idea of creating your own unique look. We're talking about our adventures in Airbnb on Strung Out. We're back. I wanted to pick up again on how important it is to have a unique space. We delved into the history of the building. There was a lot of things that I was surprised working on the building about. The building itself, I think the livery stable was built twice. Excavating just to get some of the plumbing and stuff like that figured out. I dug down about five feet and found charred timbers, found some really cool stuff that I basically put into um, shadow boxes that the people can look at. 
One thing was single horse license from the city of Chicago around 1900. So I, it told me basically this building was built around 1900. Our house was supposedly built 1906, right? Oh, I thought it was a little later than that. No, it's it's early. It's like 1906, I think, was when... But there's some controversy about that, too. But what it tells me is that this property was used for a lot of different things. And, again, that history, I feel, is something that people really get into. Any history buffer. They're going to like that. And it's all brought back into the building. The lady who lived in the house, the daughter of the people that built the house, she never had any kids. She married a guy from Canada who was a painter. And there was like 50... A a house painter. A house painter. Right. I was going to exaggerate and say there were like 50 million ladders, but there were so many ladders that we had to deal with. Dozens of ladders. And, and nails uh, in every conceivable part of this livery stable that had to be pulled out. And posts dug deep into the ground. So all that stuff was there having to do with the painting business. But we kept one ladder and we put it up. And again, I just throw a little bit of history to it. The most spectacular find on the property from a historical perspective was in digging a, a trench for the electric from the alley to the house, I found a clay pipe, uh, a website of, from Parks Canada, actually, where they were excavating a fort. It described this particular clay pipe because it has the initials T and D on it, which uh, goes back to a kaolin clay pipe maker in England. They exported these pipes over about 250 years old. So it puts it in this part of Rogers Park where we live. There was a tavern somewhere close to where we are. And I talked to a gentleman at the Illinois State Museum about it. And he said that probably in all likelihood, they were traders or Native Americans. Those clay pipes were like the big lighters of their time. And Mm -hmm. They would snap the pipe stem down to really keep it hygienic. You'd break off a piece and you'd pass it to somebody else and they could have a smoke. And finally, when you got to the stub, you just threw it out and you got a new pipe. So that was probably the coolest thing. We found since then a second pipe hole. Capers found it. Capers dug it up. So we're on some historic property. The point I'm I'm making about it is you take that, weave it into what you have. Now people feel... They're living in something that has a lot of history because it does. And that helps the stay. And it also reinforced our theme, a little bit of the North Woods on the north side, because you have this whole fur trapper, nice exposed wood, a cabiny kind of feeling, but a very elegantly done cabin, I think. Yeah, but when people think of cabins, they don't think about these beautiful quartz countertops that we have and these black bathrooms with glass tile that's pretty and reflective. So it's very, it's quite modern, but we tried to, I think, aside from the moose, we let the windows bring in the trees, which is more where the cabin feeling comes from, is you feel like you're away from the city because you're surrounded by branches and trees. When you wake up in the morning, you can look out the window and just see trees and not other houses or satellite dishes or something. I think it's very important, at least 
with our property, Fannie and I want to bring out as much nature as we can in the city. And we were lucky to get a property that the trees on this property are extremely mature trees, upwards of 80 years or more, including one gorgeous Austrian pine that's one of the largest ones and supposedly maybe one of the oldest Austrian pines in the city. But the whole idea when we were fixing up the place was, as Annie said, to, to allow the person to create a feeling that they would wake up and they wouldn't know exactly where they were. And get back in touch with that lost feeling of Chicago being in its natural setting back at the time when there was a little more wilderness and less urbanness. Let's take a little break here, and we'll come back with the final part of the show, this podcast. I feel like I've been doing a lot of talking. I want Annie to tell you about some of the things that she did to make it make the sale really work with Airbnb. You're listening to Strung Out. We're back with the final section of the podcast and our adventures in Airbnb and uh I want you to explain how important it is to have the modern touches and how do you deal with keeping it up to date and looking like it's never been used by anybody. Yeah, that's always the challenge. Marty said it best. I don't remember what I was asking him, something like, there's this little tiny scuff on this sheet or something like this, and what do you think? Should we use it? And he's, when you come to a hotel, you, you know that somebody was there probably like that day before you, but you want to psychologically feel like you're the first person staying in it and that it's completely pristine. Or maybe it was like a little bit of something in the bathroom. And we always have fresh flowers. I think when you see fresh flowers, there's something about plants that pick up a place. And so bringing that bit of nature inside is a huge feature. I I know I wouldn't feel like my own home was a home without plants. So we have living plants, and then we have fresh flowers in the bedroom, fresh flowers on the dining room table. Marty's talking about this cabin feel, but you don't really want it to be like a cabin where everything's made out of wood and it's all the same tone. So we tried to make it as modern and sleek as possible when it came to the bathrooms and the kitchen, which we did with the plumbing in particular. You you choose something that has a profile that is understated and yet functional and modern. So in other words, I didn't want it to look like a cabin on the inside. Picking paint, important. Making sure you pick a paint with, I forget the the name of um, what the term is, but it's about the saturation of a paint and how much light it absorbs. And so we picked uh, this kind of almost... It's a very curious color that is, it's gray, but it can almost have an undertone of violet for the main room, and it's beautiful color. It's just beautiful. And then for the bedrooms, uh, we chose, I wanted people to feel like ensconced and, and positive. It needed to work with the sunlight that comes through that bedroom, so I picked a pink color. And I say pink and it sounds terrible, but it's like a shell pink color. It's really pretty. And uh, the bathrooms were the ones where the, that was where I took a risk, and we got this black peppercorn color, and it was and it's actually really striking and awesome. So, yeah, it is modern, and the nature comes in through the windows, and then we bring some of that 
life inside with the plants, and that's really that's really important. Yeah, I also thought we ended up going with a very light shade of flooring. Oh yeah. Now that we've done that, I, I wish that we had done that in our own house. It's not that yellowish oak that most people have. It's well, they're they're what are they? Maple floors. Maple floors, and we just left the natural finish, so it's a, a very light colored. So that that also reflects the light as well. There's so in other words, there's very little that's cabiny about it. There are very few wood accents, except for some of the furniture and those big wooden barn doors. Yeah, the the best thing was that it did come out looking like a Scandinavian kind of place. Yeah, just enough features to tie it to history, just enough features to to give you a sense of adventure without saying, "Hey, welcome to Disneyland" or something. When Marty got the moose head, but he had always threatened to have a moose head in our actual home, and I thought no because then it's like steakhouse decor city. That's how I. Always describe it as like, let's start making the, the antler chandeliers and the, you know, all the other things that you think of with steakhouse decor. Anyway, I think that's okay if you are out in Wyoming or if you're even in, you know, some parts of Michigan with your A-frame cabin. But here in the city, we had to make this moose be urban as well. And it works. Somehow it all came together. I think the one thing... And we will have to pick it up on another podcast, but it's the biggest thing that is in the back of my mind is how to keep that idea of when somebody walks into it there for the first time, that it's like a spanking brand new place. Because when you do have volumes of people going through, you you do have the wear and tear. We've talked about that on the last podcast. We're now starting to do some extended stays. So that's going to be interesting to see. We have a renter that's going to rent it for two months, which is the longest we've ever had somebody stay at the Airbnb. What's it going to look like? Is that going to be a heavier impact on the the property or is it going to be a lighter impact? We don't know yet. It depends on the person. We, We have had people who have stayed for 48 hours and trashed the place. The cleaning was too much, I thought, for 48 hours. But we had a lady stay for a month last summer, and it was as though she had never been there when she left. Yeah. (laughs) She was incredibly clean. So I think people, maybe they're more respectful of your place because they know that they're staying there longer, and they're not just using it for some, like, quick getaway thing. They're living there. They're stable people. Yeah, that's certainly our, our hope with this. We are so grateful to have it during the pandemic. It's like having a third person helping you out in the family just by the fact that you can rent it and it's making some money, at least making some money back for us because we did put a considerable amount of money into the restructuring of that building and getting it all up to code and all that other good stuff. But there it is. We hope that you don't rush right out and get yourself a moose head. But (laughs) when you do look at your space, you have to give it a a certain signature. It can't be enough to just offer something that is comfortable. It has to be something that is not only comfortable, but inviting and has a story to tell. And that's the main thrust of this podcast on our adventures in Airbnb. 
in a future podcast, I want to talk about cleaning because there's nothing more important to selling your Airbnb than truly having it cleaned. And there's a lot of tricks to the trade that I've learned, but we'll save that for another podcast. Annie and I can share that with you. Hope you enjoyed this podcast, Our Adventures in Airbnb. I'm Martin McCormack. I'm Andy Courtenay. Bye.